Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of How the Grades Do It. You have your host, Tyler Yules, but super excited for our guest today. We have Grant Johnson. He is CMO of Build Trust, been an executive for over the last 10 years. So, Grant, thank you for jumping on with us. Hey, Tyler. It's great to be on uh, with you and then looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely, man. I'd love to hear about like what you're up to at Build Trust. I know that you all have some exciting things kind of happening, and um, and we kind of just take the conversation conversation from there. Yes, uh, thanks, Tyler. We're, we're Build Trust is a global leader in order to cash. It's often known as accounts receivable. We help companies get paid faster, and if you're in B two B business to business, we uh, make it easier for you to work with your customers, send them invoices electronically, take payments electronically sort of smooth the overall process so both your company is has improved cash flow and your customers are happier so we call it a win-win absolutely absolutely and you know how did you get into marketing like was that something you were automatically drawn to or did someone see the potential in you and said hey i think you may be um a marketing person you know i consider myself very fortunate in in life and in and in, in my career uh i can Share how I intentionally got from my first role to becoming a CMO because it wasn't accidental, it was very purpose led. But yeah. the marketing uh, selection was really a circumstance of my, uh, you know, fortunate situation. Where right out of college, you know, I tried a couple jobs like a lot of folks do, and especially these days, it's a more dynamic, fluid uh, economy, and you know, AI is just burgeoning. So I think it's a great uh, field for anyone to consider. You have the aptitude and interest, but I was on what's called a rotational assignment. A lot of large companies, small, medium companies will do this with college graduates and say, look, you've got a good set of skills, but you don't know a darn thing about business, right? You went to college. So I, I, I worked in production, uh, which I didn't find that exciting. It was important, of course. And, you know, I worked in administration. Then I got into this group called sales and marketing, and we had uh, these events and you know, trade shows, people, they still go now, but during COVID, all this stopped going. But, you know, it was pretty exciting. You, you get this booth and you're, you're we, uh, computer hardware and software is where I started. And we're, we're demonstrating and uh, we're creating excitement with advertising. I said, Boy, this is for me. And I suppose I could have gone down the sales road, the marketing road, but I, uh, road, but I, I, I liked marketing because it was so dynamic. And I think, as I tell my staff now, there's never been a better time to be in marketing. I felt that way when I first started this journey and uh, up through, you know, becoming a C-suite executive, I feel that way as much now, if not more so, that you can control your destiny if you, you know, if you have a willingness to learn, uh, able to take risks, uh, integrate feedback effectively, and, you know, continue to strive. So uh, marketing's been my path and I'm glad I chose it. Man, I love that. And um, I love the story. Like, do you think anybody with those type of skill sets would be great for marketing? Or do you think, right, like when it comes to sales, because I think about go to market as really this larger piece of customer success, um, sales, marketing, all of them really working together into this joint effort to really drive um, better relationships with our customers and ultimately um, sell our product, but in the best way possible. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I've seen people move fluidly between customer success and sales, sales and marketing, marketing and sales. 
and it, a lot of it depends on your personal motivation, what you find rewarding. I find the the newness of marketing, the the the, the constantly changing landscape. Some person who is very successful in sales wants to break a record. They want to, you know, uh, uh, continue to, to do the, the big game hunting and, you know, and, and, and close the most deals, the best deals, the fastest deals, whatever it might be. But I think you're right. All those go to market. What I think they share in common, Tyler, is uh, uh, a passion about the customer. Uh, we've all, we're all customers. You want to be treated well, want to be treated with respect. You want people to listen. Uh, and the, I always say when I hire someone, do they have a customer bone? And what I mean by that is, you know, some people are really smart, <laughs> a lot of people are smart, and uh, they can create great campaigns and they can come up with really good strategies, but they just don't really have that empathy for customers. You yeah. know, what it's like to be a customer and that you're always striving to fulfill uh, their needs better than your competitor and continue to engage with them so you have their advocacy and their support and willingness to recommend you. And some people just don't have it. You know, it just, you know I, I happen to be able to detect that. And yeah. uh, I was just talking with my uh, VP of product marketing yesterday about our current you know, customer success managers and how, why they're excelling. And a lot of it has to do because, you know, we did these in-person events. We called it Build Trust Inside of the Row. We met these customers. They really enjoyed meeting people in person. Not everybody's the same way. We're not all extroverts. So you have yeah. to have be more extrovert doesn't mean it's required, but it helps if you enjoy spending time with your prospects and ultimately your customers. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, when I think about marketing, right, I think about this, you know, a lot of people think about marketing only as like a front end function, but I think about marketing is, you know, it's, it's pre-sale, it's during the sale, it's after the sale, even through customer success and even continuing on their journey where it's like upsell opportunities and all that. I think all of that's marketing. Um, how do you really try to kept, catch that holistic approach as you are trying to think about the customer's journey um, and, and ultimately lead them to where, you know, ultimately where we want them to be? And I think it's like the right choice for them, but obviously the right choice for the company. Yeah, I think that's a great framework, Tyler, to think about the customer journey. It starts with uh, their uh, investigation phase where let's say they're, trying to what's called loosen the status quo, explore other opportunities to improve their business operations and their their overall uh, effectiveness and efficiency. And they're discovering potential solutions of companies like Bill Trust or whatever solution you might be offering to the market. And they're sort of just testing on a bunch of different customers. They go to your website, do they have a good experience? Uh, you know, I can get into a whole thing about the web metrics, what I call web vitality. To, to see yeah. if we're actually connecting with them in, in ways that, you know, sort of the, the, the digital engagement that we do. But once you actually uh, have uh, consummated that sale, and then if you're, you know, a software as a service like we are, a SaaS offering uh, with, with the billing and payments, then you want to get them implemented in what's called go live. And then after that, you have to continue to provide good service support. You know, we have a community, we have self-service capabilities, other companies, things like that, where, you know, customers help each other. Customers often called crowdsourcing, other terms like that. But ultimately, yeah. if you want to have them expand their adoption, their advocacy, and their commitment to you, you have to provide enhanced value, meet more of their most critical unmet business needs in a, in a compelling fashion. And then you can grow those customers. And we always say that, you know, part of our mission is to get raving fans. I was just reading a 
testimonial uh, last night, and I was just amazed. This customer <laughs> put our case study that's on our website on their website. They were so proud of it. And I don't know if it gets any better than that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, when you have another customer saying, string your praises on their website, that's a whole, that's a whole other level of service and I think commitment. Um, and obviously why Build Trust has been so successful in the marketplace thus far. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, working at all these different companies at the executive level, you know, how do you think you have been able to get the most out of your employees? But also, like, what's that usually like when you first come into an organization and you're trying to build trust, but you're, you know, you're also trying to, like, build your own sort of culture um, and values in, an, in a new organization? Yeah, that's a lot to unpack there, Tyler. I'll, I'll give it a try yeah. and come at it in a second. <laughs> Let's first start with uh, the, uh, you know, coming on board to to an organization. You know, as uh, I have a methodology, I'm a five-time CMO, so I've made yeah. enough mistakes, and, and hopefully I, I've learned from those mistakes. And I have a 100-day game plan. And, you know, part of that is really understanding the business, meeting with customers, meeting my team. I did uh, one-on-ones with everybody on the team, 37 folks here. I've been at companies where I have 300 folks, a lot harder to do. Virtual is harder to do these days or hybrid as a lot of companies are. But uh, engaging with the, the rest of the C-suite executives, uh, getting to know their team members. Uh, so there's a lot of time commitment those first 90 or 100 days, however you want to look at it. Uh, and you've got election year, so let's call it the first 100 days. But uh, either way, uh, you, you've got to get vested, uh, get to know people, understand what you know what you inherited, and then uh, chart a course, set a vision for where you want to take the organization and how marketing can help be an engine for growth, align, as you say, go to market with customer success, with sales, uh, figure out the priorities. One of the things I do, I think fairly uniquely, is I work with the CEO and the other executives that we set our priorities for the companies. I align marketing's top 10. Let's say you have five priorities, maybe two for each priority. And so the whole team, if you're an individual contributor or if you're a, a manager, director, or VP, you can say, yeah. like, how, is, how am I contributing to overall success? What part of, of the company's priorities can I impact? And uh, I think that's a critical way to get everybody focused on uh, uh, helping the organization succeed. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And and I, I'd ask this maybe for the 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 people out there that are entering into that leadership team, like how can you best be how can you be a best supporter role or a supporter in that sense, right? Like as you are creating those initiatives, is it saying hey, um, connecting your role towards the revenue goals or toward the initiatives that marketing's outplaced? Like, what do you see it? Um, that best support to you for people that are that are working under you or working with you? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to tie this as something else that uh, I think has been a hallmark of my career. I really take a, a lot of satisfaction out of mentoring others. I have a site called CMO Mentor where I share yeah. my insights and practices. And, uh, you know, over the last decade or so, there's been a number of individuals that, uh, you know, worked with me on my team that have, been able to step up and get to the next level. So whether it was, you know, senior manager, first time director, director, to senior yeah. director, that to VP, or even senior vice president, and ultimately a uh, woman who worked for me in the last company, she's now CMO, that was her goal. And, and we spent three years. And so what I do is say, let's, let's have what I call, uh, we're going to co-own your journey 
on your career path and how this company, in this case, Biltrust, can help you get there. And uh, since you're savvy about this, it's not the activity. It's not necessarily the effort. It's really the outcome. And I said, you yeah. have to look at what the company's outcomes are. If you can help drive revenue, if you can come up with initiatives, programs, tactics that uh, sales feels are important, you know, uh, customer success that helps them retain customers or grow customers, and you can put your individual handprint, you know, that you architected this, you were personally involved, you, 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 you mobilized your team, you, you overcame roadblocks, and you got to the, the, the promised land. Um, you know, that'll help. I remember early in my career, I came to a company, and I was a director, and one of my key managers said, Grant, I'm quitting. So what do you mean you're quitting? And, and, and he said, I'll never forget this. He said, well, you know, I know you just got here, but I've spent the last year. Here's all the stuff, you know, I've done. And, you know, you're taking over for somebody who left the company and, you know, they just don't recognize my brilliance. I said, well, okay. Yeah. I won't use his name because he may be listening. Who the heck knows? But I said, <laughs> next 90 days, let's put points on the board. And I'm going to tell you, if I don't promote you, people are going to think I'm an idiot because it'll be so obvious that you did. I said, but you can't walk in week one and tell me the fact is he stayed and he became vice president of marketing of that company. So, it, you know, story turned out well, but I, I do say, you know, give your boss a chance to help you succeed. It, probably making an ultimate in the first week is not the ultimatum. That first week is probably not the best course of action, but yeah, anyway, that turned out well. No, I love that. You know, when you're coming into an organization like that, or let's say you, you're an existing leader, like what, what values are you trying to bring to an organization and, and, bring as part of the culture. Yeah, I uh, I always think marketing uh, is uh, how high, you know, and somebody says yeah. just, just how high. And uh, it just, uh, there's a famous uh, phrase about your, uh, your attitude and your uh, amplitude determine your altitude. You may or may not have heard the three A's. And I, and I believe in that you've got to bring the energy, you have to have the passion uh, but I also have a what I call a fairly prescriptive approach to trying to get the whole marketing team together and to really drive what I consider the behaviors that make a difference. So I have a, a recognition reward program and I've adapted it over time. And I'll say, look, here are the behaviors. It's all peer based. Like we want to recognize these behaviors. One behavior would be customer focus. Another one would be taking initiative. Another one would be building pipeline. Uh, today, yeah. another key one is, you know, digital savvy. I might say. I've got the whole team actually doing AI experiments. We've used 37 different Gen AI tools because, you know, yeah, I could hire a Gen AI expert, but wouldn't it be better if 37 people can t leverage this tool because it's only going to get better, right? And sure. And it should uh, remove mundane manual, you know, tasks from everybody's, uh, you know, daily uh, tasks. Uh, and, and so by recognizing, rewarding, uh, I'm shaping people uh, and, and, and we're showing what good looks like. And over time, the people that rise up and embrace these behaviors and uh, and, and uh, deliver the results, they're the ones who are going to have the most success at the organization. Yeah. You know, um, I think about marketing in the sense of if you had a dream and you knew you couldn't fail, how big would you dream? And I want someone to have that sort of mentality in a marketing person because it's, hey, you know, most of the time it is a top of funnel thing. It is, a, it is results, results driven. Um, but if you if you knew you couldn't fail, you would give it everything every time. And I couldn't imagine the results that we would ultimately get as a company if you had the mentality 100 percent of the time. 
You know, I love that. And um, and in the in in your other podcasts, and, and you've talked with, you know, other uh, folks about that. And that's one of the things as an executive, I I think about. And I actually I I said this in our all hands meeting yesterday is, you know, please don't fear failure. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Take, and if I can counsel anybody early in their career, take more risks faster, sooner, fail fast, whatever it might be. And yeah. Part of the large organizations, people, you know, even in this virtual world, one would think it would be less judgmental. Like, you know, people don't can't, you know, like see the Zoom face. They don't know how tall you are, you know, how you dress, whatever. But, you know, like uh, you might be judged on, you know, some uh, area and, and, you know, everybody's welcome. You know, build trust. And that's my view in any company I work at. And uh, but you, you have to work continually say, hey, it's OK to fail. And you have to actually when things fail. You have to make sure we're not, you know, finding the fault, but we're learning from what could we do better. Let's not repeat that mistake. And uh, I heard that same phrase a long time ago, and it's something I internalized. And I think dream big, you know, aspire. We we do things at the companies that I've been at uh, that we try to make these, you know, giant leaps every year. Some people call them lightning strikes. You know, you know, right. the term is. But you've got to be able to try to do something that's going to change dramatically the outcome versus, you know, incremental improvement is good, but step level improvements and outcomes are better. Absolutely. And so, like, as you're evaluating to make sure that there's always a learning from the failures, right? Let's say there's a campaign that you run that didn't ultimately end up the way that um, had the results that you were looking for. Is there an evaluation framework that you work within um consistently or is it is the approach somewhat different sometimes yeah i think tyler it's different i think the typical uh if you think about the funnel you know we start yeah. with the programs tactics whether they're uh, always on programs digital programs or their campaigns or events and we have a framework that says we, we set expectations this is what i find really useful it's like you know for every thousand ten thousand hundred thousand you spend you should have an of, you know, 10 to 1, ideally 15 to return on that as far as pipeline you create. And if you follow short of that, you, you really have to either tweak the program or just not do that type of, you know, tactic that doesn't deliver a return because we, you know, it, in, in challenging economic times as we're experiencing now, there's more pressure on all businesses and, and, and marketers and, and budgets to, to drive performance and to increase uh, the output. And so I think that's the the general framework. The other thing I do is what I call kind of more a casual approach. We have this uh, practice here at Bill Trust, and I've done this other companies. We call it the marketing huddle. You can have the sales huddle, success huddle, engineering does their stand-ups. And it's really like, sure. let's talk about what we're doing, what's working, what's not working, why it's not working, how we could do it better. We recently set a record with one of our webinars. So I asked uh, the uh, demand gen manager, I said, were we going to break the record? She said, no, actually, we're not. This next one's not going to break, and here's why. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, it can't always be record-breaking, right? Yeah. But certain uh, uh, tactics will work well at certain times with certain segments. We do a lot of segmenting, which I think is a key marketing strategy. You have to implement not all customers and uh, personas uh, want the same thing. And so you have to you know, tailor the programs that are going to have the best resonance with the various audiences. No, that totally makes sense, right? And you can't expect the same results every single time, right? Always hoping for uh, to topple and topple, right? Ultimately, I think as a company, we're always wanting, you know, to increase revenue by this amount or this percentage. And um, 
but I think, you know, well, like what you're saying, right? It's important sometimes to understand that everything's not going to be a, 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 another Mount Everest that we have to conquer. And, and there is building blocks to different uh, marketing campaigns. So I absolutely love that. Man, I want to transition the conversation a little bit to leadership. Like, I'd love to hear from your perspective what leadership qualities um, are really essential for aspiring action um, in people. Well, I think it starts with treating people individually. I, I, yeah. I remember early in my career, uh, I was a I was a manager of you know people that were quite you know a bit more experienced than me, and I was a little bit uh, daunted by that, a little bit unnerving. But it just like let me try to understand, you know, what your motivations are, uh, what journey you've been on, what your aspirations are to get to the next step, or maybe you know you're you're happy just maintaining the status quo of, of your role. And uh, I think I think that helps. And uh, you know, I had a CEO once say to me, "I asked, I want to understand how I would be managed." And I really like the way he described. It. He said, "Look, you know, we're going to first spend time getting to know each other and uh, our sort of cadence of how we work together. And if things are going well, I'll continue to give you uh, feedback. But you know, you'll get more rope and autonomy as you as you deliver. But if you." Yeah you know, falling short, uh, I'm going to get in your shorts. I'm going to, I'm going to really uh, get in, uh, work closely with you. In fact, uh, one of the CEOs that I know said at one point had an issue and he said, I just camped out in, in that area. I just like, I'm now the head of IT because we had an IT challenge. I'm now the head of sales or whatever we had a sales challenge. And so that's how I sort of deal with it. Um, you know, I, I try to give people uh, equal access, but you know, certain areas that are more important or certain individuals that have, you know, greater challenges will get a disproportionate amount of my time and attention because that's where I think I can, you know, help the most. And in the end, you know, some people, uh, you know, we all have life stages and journey stages and the company may have made the right fit for what you want to do next uh, and, and they may not align. So you have to work through these things. No, that absolutely makes sense. Um, you know, it, our, you talked about early on, you know, you try to build trust or um, that relationship with that employee, which allows you to then obviously take that relationship a little bit further and ask more of that person. Um, like, are there certain things that you do to like help build trust with those people and um, and then ultimately like figure out the people that really need your time or your, you know, your assistance in that sense? Well, it's a combination of things. It's, it's my one-on-ones. It's like if I'm doing, I do skip levels a lot of time. And I say, hey, you know, I get feedback and, you know, this person's struggling or they just need an extra boost to, to get to, you know, the, the next level or to take on the next challenge. Uh, we certainly do 360s. I've done that in a lot of companies where you get feedback. And I found that that was really helpful. This one person I mentioned earlier who was at the VP level was trying to get to the next level. We got some really good feedback about how uh, her, uh, you know, uh, operating style was was uh, off-putting in some senses and wasn't as team-building uh, spirit as it could have been. And she internalized this really effectively. And, you know, fast forward six months, and I did another touch base on the feedback, and that worked. Not everybody can take the feedback and figure out how to pivot or how to evolve, but hopefully, you know, getting – just ask for feedback. We call it the gift, and it doesn't always feel good if, you know, if it's not positive. But as long as it's constructive and it's not to the person, it's to the, you know, what you expected and how somebody didn't deliver that or fell short, then you can use that and say, okay, what can I do differently? Or who can help me? I always say, ask for help. One of the things I find in my team is people say I got stuck. They said, well, what happened then? I said, well, I just moved on. I said, well, well why don't you ask me for help? Or, 
Somebody else, just because somebody says no, it yeah. can't not now, doesn't mean that uh, you've hit the road, you've hit the end of the road, you've just hit a roadblock. There is a way around, up, over, around, right? So I just say be persistent and, uh, you know, try to uh, uh, stay the course until you can overcome whatever particular obstacle along the way to your end goal. Yeah. And, you know, when I think a lot of times people have a hard time asking feedback or asking for help. And so are there ways that you're implementing consistent feedback with your teams? Um, or is that really like in your one-on-ones that you're just having consistent conversations and you're providing that feedback as it, as it's needed? Yeah, I think, and I encourage my leaders on my team to do this as I do is, you know, give feedback in the moment, you know, don't wait, yeah. you know, just like with your relationship with your significant other, you know, two weeks later, he said, Hey, you really pissed me off. Right. You know, didn't... <laughs> I don't remember. When was that? You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. Just like immediate feedback is great, but also we have a process that, you know, build trust. We have called quarterly check in every company has their own sort of process where yeah. they look at what we were trying to do this quarter. How did it work? Where do we succeed? Fall short? What else should we be thinking about? And I have this particular, uh, what I call a fairly streamlined approach just to try to work, uh, you know, on engagement as well, which is when you came to Build Trust, you came to company XYZ, what were you looking to do? What did you hope to accomplish? Where did you, how did you want to grow your career? Uh, what sort of environment conducive to your personal growth and learning? And are we delivering that? And if not, what could we do differently? And so I find that's a really good way to get like, as long as the person is going to be transparent and trust trust you and be open, that you can say, oh, okay, I didn't know that's what you wanted, that we were missing the mark. Uh, and sometimes the answer is like, you know, uh, we can't do that. It's just not something we do at this company. But at least you right. know. And that way you can keep closer alignment with your goals and your team and your, your, your uh, team's goals. Uh, so I, I think that helps. Yeah, I know. Absolutely having a standardized process for for quarterly reviews, I think, is the way to go. And um, I think ultimately we've seen that is a like almost a have to have like you need to have at least these. But I love the the idea behind, hey, give feedback when it in the moment. Right. It's I've so often had. Yeah, why did we argue about this too? I remember we got mad at each other, but we never ever had a conversation about it. Neither me or my wife can remember that conversation. So you're spot on there, right? Um, but there's always, I think, the flip side where you let you let something run a little long, and then it, maybe it turns into a little bit of an infection. And so um, having those conversations early and often. If I could add one more thing, you should remind me of something we talked about earlier. I, I think yeah, really, absolutely. Is the uh, uh, on an individual basis, when you're first coming on board and you're setting these relationships, especially when you're taking over an organization, in my case, a marketing organization, yeah. people, a lot of people are sort of like sitting on the fence. And I say like, you know, get off the fence. If this is not the right environment for you, I think it's a great environment. But if you don't think so, you can thrive somewhere else. You know, let us help you find some other else. Don't sit on the fence, you know, just, you know, lean in, jump in, you know, fall in. However you decide to get in, you know, please do that. Um, and a lot of times when I'm first uh, doing the quarterly recognition, I think some people are sort of like, they kind of like, they're not really sure what is this all about is like, how does this align to the company values? And it, of course yeah. I make sure it does. And once we start doing this, once I get a rhythm going, I'm now 10 months into it at Bill Trust and I've been in many companies, see them over three years, three times. And they start saying, oh, now I know what good looks like. Now I know what people recognize. 
and it people can sort of figure out like like if this is what's important it really it my simple construct is what was the situation what do we do and what was the business outcome it's not really complex and if it's like uh-huh. i once had they nominated for award and they said well um, I like working with this person. Well, that's not really noteworthy. I'm glad you like working with the person. But we can't recognize that they're a good team to work. We have to recognize the business impact. And so I think yeah. at the time people, they start, they can, they understand that. And these programs sort of take a life of their own where I don't have to, you know, ask people to nominate. They, you know, I once had, you know, team, first it was an individual award and suddenly we started getting team awards. Great. That, that, that's, that helps build teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, you know, you talk about ha- making sure that people connect their impact with business impact. <clears throat> I think a lot of times it's really difficult for somebody that may be doing a mundane job day in and day out or, um, you know, somebody that's maybe not tied to revenue as closely. And so for go to market, I think it's a little bit easier to realize revenue and see how you impacted that. Um you know, and I, I interviewed a leader recently and he had an interesting perspective on this and I'd love to hear your side. Like he said, you know, one thing that he does with his team is he says like, hey, here's your cost basis. Like this is what it actually costs for you on a quarterly basis to the company. And so being able to say, hey, this was my cost, but these were all the things that I drove value in on all the things that really I can recognize value in tying those to the business impact was the way that he did his quarter reviews and it made it way more like the people understood a little bit more the understanding is like hey there's a cost to everything we do whether that's a tool whether it's a person whether it's a process we put in place and we need to make sure that we understand the return because companies aren't looking to spend 100 to then get only 100 back and um coming with just a little bit of a different of an understanding yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts there I love that, Tyler. And I think uh, it reminds me of another uh, adage I heard earlier in my career. You know, don't get hung up on how much you make. Focus on how much more value you create. And then they don't promote you. They're crazy or (laughs) increase your compensation in the end review. But it it, it does remind me of of an equation about that, that. that we worked on this year and uh, my, in any marketer, especially, I think B2B and B2C, you've got the marketing operations. You've got to have, as you said, you've got to invest in the tools and technology and they've got to produce a return. And, you know, we had launched this new website and I found out that um, the way that we had uh, implemented it is that when you, a repeat visitor, you had to enter your information against it. I said, that's crazy. Like, yeah. why Taking our visitors, they're going to bounce off our site. Our time on site will go down. By the way, it's up like thirty percent. And so they, they, we, there's always a hundred things to do. They made these things. They said, "Let me put it this way," and we made it very concrete. Like each hand raising that says "contact me" is worth a thousand dollars. If we can get a hundred more, that's going to more than pay for your salary. And a hundred right. more, a lot of people on our website with the traffic we get in the hundreds of thousands per month, it's not a lot more that ultimately filter down into somebody that will raise their hand. So they got it. I said, well, now I see why this is so important. So oh, it's hard to solve. Yeah, I know it's hard to solve, but we have to solve it. We can't have somebody come back to the website and fill out a nine you know, boxes again with, oh, we recognize you. Thanks for returning to Bill Trust. And yeah. guess what? They spend more time there. So I think I love this idea. Translate their costs and the value they can create. And it helps, you know, the light bulbs go off and say, hey, let's do more of that stuff. No, I love that. And, you know, bringing up just like one of those small examples of, hey, how do we help increase the conversion on a website? 
but we understand the traffic. And so I think making those um, tweaks as a company and as a department, like are super important. So how often are you visiting those sort of metrics and trying to make changes to say like, Hey, this, with these small changes, we can then increase our conversion there. And like, how often should companies be doing that? Well, I'm part of a, a PE private equity backed company. And as anyone who's worked for PE companies, they invest to get a return on the investment. Uh, and, oh yeah. Uh, we, one of the things that we st started this journey and I've been on this at multiple tours uh, as a CMO is instrumenting the business. And I'm, and I'm happy and proud to say my team has come up with uh, a dashboard that basically measures everything we do. What it measures, uh, you know, the, the qualified leads, the sales accepted the opportunities, qualified, the close rates, the conversion, the velocity, the program tactics, the overall, and the fact that we can measure everything and it's in a dashboard that is automated. We linked it with Salesforce. It's, it was not easy to do. It took us a few months. And I've shown this a few peers. And wow, I mean, can can you know? Can you show me how you did that? And um, it, it's not, it wasn't easy to do, but the fact that we have this really helps us as an organization figure out where we can invest more and where we should invest less so we can contribute uh, it, uh, more to the organization's growth. Absolutely. I love that. You know, um, we've talked about culture. We've talked about leadership. You know, <clears throat> Any advice out there to future leaders that are that are looking to continue to move up um, in organizations and kind of take that next step? Yeah, I think you should start with the end in mind and think about, I want to get from manager, director, director, VP, you know, C-level, whatever it might be, have a conversation with your, you know, current manager and hopefully they're supportive and, you know, may say, look, it may take a year to get there, two years, or, you know, we're not growing, so it won't happen here. But just have that candid conversation. I've talked to some folks uh, it, it, that I've uh, mentored and uh, they became more purpose uh, driven. And I just think there's something about how the universe works. If you have an intention, you put it out there, you're conscious and your subconscious and you stay that uh, course, you know, you have a better chance to get there. If you just have no uh, specific goal, uh, any path will get you. You may end up not where you want to be. So I think that's like my best advice. I actually have, you know, have specific advice on speeding the path to CMO on, you know, my blog. But uh, I think yeah. that's general counsel that I would give anyone. Uh, you have to declare your intent. Yeah. And um, you brought up your blog. Like, I think that's a good place for people to reconnect. And so I want you to make sure that you, you call that out again, because um, I think that's a great place for people to connect with you and stay what's on top with with what you have going on. So if you want to call that out again for us. Oh, yeah. CMO Mentor. So uh, uh, CMO uh, Mentor. CMO Mentor dot com. It's got my contact info. It's I try to add a blog a month. I, I, I know these I don't know how these people do it once a week, but probably once I get that AI tool working. It'll be <laughs> automated maybe i can aspire to once i'm happy with once a month i got enough going on full-time at uh, bill trust but yeah thanks for thanks for uh, asking about that absolutely you know maybe once they have ai that can plug into your brain so that they we can just download all that information and then repos repository um i think we'll we'll be spot on there maybe we'll get once a day from grant god that's awesome well i've been looking for this killer app and by the way if you find it even after the show, let me know. And I was talking to my team. I was, I was searching uh, 
futurepedia.ai, by the way, which is a great site for all the, every day there's some new AI tool. Like, and I try to find when they could, you know, read all my emails and respond. Yeah. And just let they have it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That to me is still the killer app. We get too much uh, uh, content to consume. Uh, there are absolutely PDFs, by the way, and summarize those. And again, chat GPT and others can do that. So it's all good. Absolutely. Grant, I have one more question for you. When you leave this life, how do you want people to remember you? I think the most important thing is the impact that I had on others. Um, yeah. My mission I developed uh, uh, in my 20s, believe it or not, which is move others to action. If I can succeed with my family, with my friends, with my teams, to help them clarify their goals, uh, uh, go after their their aspirations and achieve uh, whatever success uh, they aspire to, uh, that to me is the legacy I'd love to leave. I love that. I love that. And I know you're leaving it um, from our conversations that I've had with you and just our conversation today. Um, I know you're leaving that impact. So I appreciate your time. Grant, this has been great. And um, this is just another episode of How the Greats Do It.